0: you're listening to a Bible lesson taught in the youth group at Trinity Baptist Church. We hope this Bible lesson will help and encourage you as you seek to live for the Lord. Simon Peter, you can read it with me. Simon Peter. A servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith was us through the righteousness of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise. Good job. I'm Glad somebody's come with you Through the knowledge of God and our Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful, and then Knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if you do these things in abound. bound <laughs> yeah I lost I totally lost my uh <laughs> my place you shall never fall for so an interest shall be ministered unto you abundantly and to the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ my bad uh, I don't know if I don't know if I' was throwing you guys off or what but, but I'm glad that we got it. I'll take the, I'll take blame for it. Let me ask you this: What is from last week as we review? I think it is it on your handout there. No. What is virtue? What do we break down virtue as? A list list. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> excellence. Oh. <laughs> excellence. Excellence. All right. Here we go then. If we put virtue as excellence, what are the three things that keep me from excellence? The three things that keep me from excellence. Um, Kirkland. Kirkland, It's <laughs> you remember the three things that keep us from excellence? The flesh, the world, and Satan. The flesh, the world, and Satan. Oh man, he even got all three. What is that? How does the flesh? <laughs> how does the flesh keep us from serving God? What was our word for it? I'll give somebody else a chance before Taylor. Delights, yes. My flesh delights for destruction. I follow my flesh and accuse me from accomplishing the purpose of God for my life. What does the devil do? What does the devil do? Distracts. Deceives. Deceives. Yes, the devil deceives. I was close. What does the world do, Jamie? It distracts. It distracts, yes. <laughs> so, as we look at our, as we go through our study here, hold on for me, virtue... I'm supposed to add to my faith, my belief in Jesus Christ, virtue. That is excellent. That means I serve the purpose God has put me on earth here to do. We read this. Um, I put this back on your handout again this week. We're ready to become like Christ in our character and then by our manner of life to show others what Christ is like so they will honor him too. That's virtue. And the three things that keep us from virtue, the devil. He deceives me. Everything he says is a lie. Secondly, the world, it distracts me. And I told you that, guys. If... The devil does not have to get you to commit a major sin to make you, knock you out of the game, so to speak, of following the Lord Jesus Christ. If he can distract you enough, if he can get you distracted by sports, if he can distract you by all things on the internet, if he can distract you by things on television, hey, the world can distract you. And lastly, your flesh delights. When we decide to do the things that we desire to do, it distracts me. I mean, distracted. It deli- I delight in my sin I delight and pleasing in my flesh, and that will take me all the way to destruction. So let's look at it tonight. We look at knowledge, adding to it knowledge. What is knowledge? All right. For tonight's sake, I know we're running out of time, so I'm going to give it you, to you. Knowledge is the education of my heart about who God is and what he desires of me. In this passage, we're going to take knowledge as this. The education of my heart about who God is and what he desires of me. Second Peter one two through three is on your handout there. It says, "Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According to His His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to us to glory and virtue. This knowledge does not happen passively. Your blank is passively. It requires actively seeking to truly know God." So what is knowledge? Knowledge is the education of my heart. So, virtue is my purpose here. Okay? So why am I here on earth? God has put me in the purpose to look like Christ so that when others see me, I magnify Jesus Christ. How do I do that? I add knowledge. Now I'm going to educate my heart on who Christ is and how he desires desire me to live understand what I'm saying? So we have virtue. Your purpose. Now writing knowledge, do you know Jesus Christ? See, this doesn't happen passively. See, somewhere along the lines in our lives, we've got the idea that because I go to a Christian school, because I may, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, it's a good thing, I read my Bible, I attend church, that I have a knowledge of God. But it is not the case. So this knowledge goes beyond that. When I'm saying add to my faith, virtue, and a virtue knowledge, I'm talking that I am deliberately trying to figure out who God is for myself. Let me ask you. We talk about if you were witnessing to somebody right now and somebody said, well, Christianity is not a religion, it's a, what would we say? We'd say, well, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. relationship. And when we witness to people all the time, we say that. Christianity is not a religion, like Buddhism and everything else. It's a relationship. And we say that when it comes time for salvation. Let me ask you this. How is the relationship now that you're saved? If Christianity Christianity is not a religion, and it's a relationship, how's the relationship? Do you know God? When was the last time you talked to God on a knowledge level? Not, not... And I'm not knocking anything or doing saying anything negative about this, but Lord, we thank you for this day. Bless us. Let's have a good day. Amen. I'm talking about, you said it's a relationship. You know God. This doesn't happen on accident. There's not mornings where you just accidentally stumble and read a good passage in your Bible. Huh, man, I'm glad my Bible just happened as I rolled out of bed and fell on my face to get out of bed to go to school. My Bible just happened to be open to that passage. And I opened my eyes and I looked at it and wow, that really blessed my heart this morning. It happens on purpose. When was the last time you sat in a service in church and you got to know something about God? And when it sparked, I mean, it clicked. Wow, that's my God. That's the God I serve. See, I have to add to my purpose in life is to be like Christ and exemplify that to everybody else. How do I do that? Well, I got to get to know God. And that happens on purpose. When I met my wife, I didn't just accidentally get to know her enough to marry her. Oh, well, you know what? I stopped Maytime. made time. Hey, what are you doing tomorrow at 7 o'clock? Going to go to the Palms Grill, have something to eat, sit over a sweet tea, and we'll talk that's what we did and so sometimes a lot of times i had to buy my wife a meal just to get her to sit and talk with me when we we're dating i'm just kidding but <laughs> but as we as i lived in my life there was not a time where it just accidentally happened i did not like two years later when it was time to marry my wife say wow just we just kept being in all the same places what do you know you're at this lunch table too man oh what do you know you're in this class too And you happen to be sitting right beside me. Wow, I didn't even know this could happen. Man, everything just falls in place. No, it took deliberate, a deliberate thing to say, you know what? I want to get to know Erin Burden. And I got to know her. And I said, you know what? I desire to marry her. Same thing that happens in our lives. This knowledge is in no way passive. It is not passive. Let me ask you, if you come to church and you don't have a copy of the word of God, once again i'm not knocking anybody i don't care what's on your ipad your iphone your android phone it's probably not biblical to have it on an android phone but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding but i don't care what device that you read your bible on but i'm saying when you come to church this is this your attitude of coming to church you say i want to add to my virtue my reason for existence, my purpose is to learn to love god to magnify him now as a, Next thing is, I'm supposed to add knowledge. So I sit in church like this. Pastor Ferguson is preaching. And I'm like, off in the middle distance. Can I tell you? You won't know God that way. If you're not actively, I'm not saying you have to be taking notes and every word passage. You can pretty much, that you have pastors... Ferguson's sermon dictated, and it's like, no, Pastor Ferguson, nope, I remember what you said last week, the third word was the, and I had it written down, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, are you plugged into knowing God, let's get it, where does this knowledge come from, where does the knowledge that I find out about God come from, Proverbs 2, 6, this is pretty much straightforward, where does this knowledge come from, for the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. I gained the knowledge I need to accomplish the purpose, the virtue, God has called me to, to do through the word of God, through the word of God. So here comes the good old plug that, of course, you know I'm going to put in there. To get to know God, you have to be in his word. All right, let's, let's throw this out here. Once again, not trying to knock anybody, throwing anybody on the bus. Most of you have had two or three snow days, two or three snow days, three. I know, Sam, but some people had two. Some people just went out and got just manned up and went to school. (laughs) But you've had two or three snow days. Let me ask you, how much time did you spend in the word of God during those two or three snow days? Or did you even crack your Bible? And I'm not saying, because I want somebody to answer and say, I read 15 chapters on the first day. And on the second day, as soon as I found out it was canceled, I I read another 15. I'm not saying that, but I'm asking, (laughs) do you know God? See, we know this, because this is going to be the thing. Well, where does the knowledge of God come from? It doesn't even take Kirkland to answer this. (laughs) The Bible. We find it from the Word of God, but yet we don't read the Word of God. We don't get to know Him. When I came here... Two and a half years ago. I'm going to tell you guys that the first time I taught youth group in here, I was overwhelmed. I was not used to having this many people in one room in our youth group. Our youth group room was like smaller than probably one of those side rooms over there. And there was a couple of us and I knew everybody individually because pretty much I had been there since most of them had come to church. I had been going there longer than most of them had. And I had seen each one of them grow up in, the, in our church or whatever. And so I had a whole like knowledge of them through their whole lives. When I walked in this room the first time and for the first couple months, I sat in my office overwhelmed. God, I don't even understand how I'm supposed to help these people. Like, I don't, I don't even know, like, I can't even keep track of all their names. I can't even, I walk past their parents in the hallway and they say hi to me and I don't even know their name. I just say Mr. and Mrs. in their last name because that's all I know. They would overwhelm me. But you would tell you how I got to know most people? I talked to them. So I, I walked over and said, Hey, how are you? And I said, your daughter, your son in youth group, I appreciate having them. Just ask them a little bit about it. I don't know an area around here. Where do you live? Oh, man, what do, do you do for a living? And I got to know most families. Same way I got to know you. Same way, way you got to know me. Noah. Harmon is not a—he's a senior. He is not a in the face in your kind of in your face kind of guy. He just comes to youth group. He works on a bus route. He, he serves the Lord repeatedly. He's not one that. How many of you know what Noah desires to be when he when he reaches adulthood? How many of us know? <laughs> All right. So me and Adam both know what Noah desires to be. Noah desires to be an engineer, right? Noah yeah. he desires to go to Pensacola Christian College to be an engineer. You let me to tell you how I found out about that about Noah one time exactly one time when me and Noah were sitting here I said hey Noah how's it going I was like man where are you looking at college soon now that you're a senior and he said yeah and he told me a couple of colleges he was interested in I was like what you what you what you want to do man and he said I think I'd like to be an engineer and I said I didn't even know you were interested in engineering you know why I didn't know I hadn't asked him (laughs) and then when I asked him you know what I found out Noah desires to be an engineer he decides to go to physical Christian college and be an engineer you know how simple that was Adam knew, I guess, but I'm not saying it's bad that we didn't know, but I'm saying the same thing with God. We're so used to hearing about God. Well, the pastor preaches, and I know about God. When we looked through Psalm 100 that Sunday morning, and we found out the the, the Lord is this, the Lord is this, and we found all those things just in Psalm 100, those five verses about God. Can I get you to say, can I compel you, challenge you? To get to know God, not what everybody says, not from what I say about God. God is good. and my life, he has been very good to me. And that when the verse says, oh, taste and see, the Lord is good, I can speak from experience and say, wow, God's grace has been good to me. God has done so many things in my life. Wow. But you know what? You have to learn that on your own level. You have to learn that in your own life. And that comes by you reading the word of God. Now, I know, I know, I know that this is well this is just a terse thing to say that you need to read your Bible, but guess what? You will never get to the life that God has for you if you're not adding to that virtue. Well, all of us say last week we talked about the purpose I'm sure all of us says all of us would say man that's great. I'm glad that I know the purpose of my life is to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ and to magnify his name among all people. That is great. I see my purpose in life and the devil's going to try to knock me down. My flesh is going to try to hold me back. You know what? But I'm going to keep going. But then we get stuck right here because we do not know God. We just heard a lot about him. We hear about him on the television that God is Can I tell you, if you do not know God, you will look at A situation like we just prayed for up front with Jonathan Trantham and Lisa Poe. And you would say, wow, how in the world would God do something like that? But you know the verse we just read on the back? Great grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How, How is that grace and peace multiplied? Somebody tell me, how is it grace and peace multiplied? Through what? It's, in, it's on the verse. Your, yeah, through the knowledge of Christ. Exactly. Is grace and peace multiplied. The only reason we have grace in our lives is when we get to know Jesus Christ. When I know God, when I'm in His Word. It doesn't come because I heard it in church, it doesn't he- come because I heard it in school. It becomes Aaron Burden. Walking up to Noah Harmon and getting to know Noah Harmon. The same thing happens with God i tell you if you can't spend time in prayer just you and god and you say well christianity is not a religion it's a relationship can i tell you you have a religion if you come to church sunday morning sunday night and wednesday night and you can't talk to god you have religion because a relationship says i know god When someone makes a joke on television or something about how God is, hey, that offends me. When somebody curses my God's name, hey, that offends me. The same way as if I was standing out in the hallway and I heard someone talking negatively and untrue about any of you guys, I would say, whoa, 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 where did you hear that about? Where did you hear that from? That's not true. They don't do that. Same thing happens when I know God. Well, if he was a real God, he wouldn't let, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't know my God. It comes with knowledge. Where does it come from? It comes from God's word. Number three, why is knowledge so important? Why is it so important? Knowledge is important because how I educate my heart, how I teach my heart, how I inform my heart about God determines the path of my life. Proverbs 4.23, we know it. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Knowledge is important because how I educate my heart determines the path of my life. Two examples. One is going to write down your paper. Shariah, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel chapter 3. And then Lot, you don't have to write him down because I didn't put it down there, but I was thinking about him today. All right, real quick. And I understand we got back here late, so hold on with this. Two illustrations. How you educate your heart, how you get to know God, determines the path of your whole life. Lot. Bible says that Lot and Abraham are both wealthy individuals. They're so wealthy that they can't even keep their herds together. So Lot's herdsmen, because they're taking it up two room, and Abraham's herdsmen are starting to fight. Hey, man, get your get your sheep off our stuff. Hey, get your cows over there. And it, it becomes a real deal. It's not even like it's just, well, just move over, guys. and stop. It becomes a real deal. And so Abraham says to Lot, Lot, you pick a way, and you look one way, and you whatever you take, I'll take the other. And the Bible says... In Genesis that Lot gets up. How I know God determines the path of my life. Lot stands up. The Bible says he's already a wealthy man. Very wealthy. He looks at the fields and he says, the Bible says he eyes the plains of Jordan. And he saw they were well watered. Even Sodom and Gomorrah sit there, and the Bible even says in Genesis that the people in Sodom were exceedingly wicked. Okay, he looks over. This is not that bad, but look over there, over by Sodom. Man, that that land is that land is awesome. And the Bible says, Abraham, I'm gonna take this way. And the Bible says he pitches his tent toward Sodom. He doesn't even just live there. The Bible says when he sets up the tent, his new house, hey boys, let's set this up here. I I want it right there. Yeah, I want to be able to see what's going on over in Sodom. Where the Bible says it was extremely wicked. He's already a wealthy man. He's seen from Abraham's life that God can provide. he still sets himself right up by Sodom we know the story he gets into Sodom a little while later he's he's sitting at the gate of Sodom he's he's one of the I guess you could say almost like a leader in Sodom God says I'm gonna destroy Sodom I'm gonna destroy this whole place he comes in and talks to Lot and of course we know the wickedness that happened in Lot's house and so he comes in and says I'm gonna destroy so Lot goes to tell his kids Hey, guys, you've got to get out of here. You've got to get out of here. God's going to destroy this whole place. He's going to catch on fire. You've got to get out of here. And the Bible says his children looked at him and laughed and mocked him to his face. No, I'm not kidding, guys. You've got to get out of here. God's going to destroy it. Dad, would you please go home? Stop embarrassing us. And the Bible says that Lot gets out with his two daughters and his wife. She turns into a pillow of salt because she turns back around. And what Lot thought about God, his knowledge of God, determined his whole life. Hey, you know what? I've got a lot. I know that God can supply my needs over there, but this is the way I really want to go. This is the way I want to live my life. His kids may have been little when he did that. And said, you know what? This is where we're going to live. We want to live over here. Hey, pitch the tent towards Sodom. This is where we're going to live. And then his life is destroyed. Let's look at Daniel chapter 3. The same thing, I mean, the direct opposite happens in Daniel chapter 3. Azariah, Mishael, and Hananiah, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are standing before King Nebuchadnezzar. He says, Hey, when you hear the sound of the music, you get down and you worship the golden statue of me. And when you hear the music, you worship. We all know the story. Everybody, as soon as the music starts playing, everybody gets down. Hey, worship the idol. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are almost like you could see them standing out of when everybody else bends down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are still standing up. Somebody says, "Hey, Nebuchadnezzar, those three, those three Israelite kids, they didn't bow." He called them in. Nebuchadnezzar calls them in. Hey, I heard that you guys wouldn't bow down to the statue. You heard the announcement, didn't you? When you hear the music, bow down. And Nebuchadnezzar even says this, I'll give you another chance. Hey, I'll give you another chance this time. When you hear the music, you bow down. And Meshach and Abednego, the Bible doesn't say who the boat person was, but they stood up and he said, King, we don't really need a second chance. And then they say this, Our God, whom we serve, can deliver us from the fiery furnace. Wow. Now that takes a lot of knowledge about your God to look at somebody straight in the face and say, hey, the God I serve, you can throw me in the fiery furnace, furnace, but the God I serve, he can deliver me from that. Wow. That takes a lot of knowledge about your God. And then go on. He says, but if not, even if he doesn't, if we fry like a Pop-Tart wrapped in aluminum foil in a microwave, I'm not going to bow down to you and he sa- they say that Like look, they look right they didn't say the Pop-Tart part but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but they but they say they look they look right at him and say hey it doesn't matter whether he does or not I am not going to bow down now look at this in our lives this is what Shadrach and Meshach can know hey I know my God said I shall have no other gods before me I know my God and he's not going to be happy if I'm bowing down to that hey, I'll give you another chance well never Nebuchadnezzar no see I know my God. And if he wants to, he can deliver me from your fiery furnace. Of course, we know the story. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar says "He that seven times hotter. The men that are trying to throw Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego, they are so angry at Shadrach, and Abednego. They are dying. Literally catching on fire trying to get Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. And the Bible says they stand up. Nebuchadnezzar looks in. Hey, didn't we throw three men? I see four. And the fourth one looks like the son of God. Now, talk about knowing your God. Do we know our God like that? Do we know our God like that? I don't think any of us have been, has anybody in here been threatened with fiery furnace? Uh, Maybe you have, maybe I haven't, I haven't. But see, we sit in situations where it's awkward just to, things are going on that shouldn't be going on. Shire, Meshach, and Abednego said, hey, you don't have to. I know my God good enough. We're not bowing down. He can deliver me from this. See, do you know your God? It makes a huge difference. Your knowledge of God is going to shape your whole path of your life. There are some of you in here that are going to go on and do great things for God. And let me tell you why. Because you got to know how good God is. And then you went through hard times, God's going to direct your path, as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. And there's some of us in here that aren't and the reason is because we don't care to know god whatever we hear at school is enough whatever we read in our bible whatever we hear someone talk about that's enough that i know about god but this knowledge that i have to add to virtue as i find out my purpose in life i have to start adding deliberate knowledge about god i desire to know him so i sit and i talk with him so i read my bible so i know more about him i ask more people about him hey i don't understand this about god can you tell me because i want to know my god and it shapes the whole path of your life. I'll just a couple of mics and we're done. What happens when someone refuses knowledge? What happens when someone refuses this knowledge? You say, you know what? That's all well and good. I could care less about the knowledge of God. This is what God says. Jesus, this is Jesus speaking in Matthew 7, 24-27. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was found upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. The rejection of biblical knowledge always equals failure. Always. And you know what? Sometimes in our lives we think you know what? It's okay. (laughs) Because really in this whole Christian thing, failure is not that big of a deal. But it is. Turn to me to Romans chapter 1. I want to read this passage to you, and then we're going to be done. You know, whenever you hear somebody, have you ever done something awesome? I guess I guess in basketball you call it, calling the shot before you take it. Like when you call the shot, you call glass, and you call the bank shot before you shoot it, and you hit it and hit bank, then it counts. But if you're, you shoot the, the three-pointer, and it hits bank, and then you say bank, it's like... Big deal. Okay, you called it after you shot. It. I think I told you guys one time, we're at a youth conference, and I was walking out the door. And these kids were playing basketball. The ball rolled towards me, and so I shot it backwards across the gym, and it went in. And I am totally accident. Like, it's not because I was that good. It was totally an accident. But I kept walking like it was, like, I, I meant to do it. Just keep walking out of the gym. Don't even turn around. <laughs> and I did. Now, for me to call it afterwards and to shoot the ball and be like, and then see it went in all net. And then walk out of him. That means nothing because I didn't. I didn't. It was an accident. It went in accidentally. Now, when we read the Word of God, and sometimes I believe we feel like this. Well, we know that all these bad things happen if I don't follow God's Word. I want you to read Romans chapter one. This is written two thousand years ago, and God says here what happens when people do not desire to know God. And God calls it exactly like it happens in our society 2,000 years ago. Let's read Romans chapter 1. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. They, they can see what God is. For God has showed it unto them. Verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So, as we read through this passage, I want you to follow this because I don't want to lose you. God is simply saying he has shown mankind how they ought to live, that there is a God. And we skip down to verse number 22. Professing themselves wise, to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and the birds and the four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who trained the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever and ever. For this cause God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving themselves the recompense of the error which was mean. So he goes and starts talking about this list of sins. We know the other sins that we just read through would be homosexuality. The women are not doing what, are not, don't feel the way they should toward men. And they're feeling that way towards women. Men are feeling the uh, feelings towards men. He says, this is what's going to happen. Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their what? In their knowledge. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reverent mind to do those things which are not convenient. Here's the list. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication. Our society is filled with this. No, I would say you'd ask most the average young person your age if marriage meant anything, and they'd say no. Why? Because they didn't retain God in their knowledge. Hey, I don't care about the knowledge of God. And God called it two thousand years ago. This is what's going to happen when people don't retain God in their knowledge. When they don't care to know God, He goes on and says they have fornication, wickedness, covetousness. And even in my, our own life, sometimes we desire to have what others have. Maliciousness, full of envy, murder. Debate, which is conflict. All it is is strife, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God. You look on the internet, all you find is haters of God, people that care, could care less about God. And why? Because they didn't want to retain God's knowledge. It's so the despiteful, proud, we could all probably put ourselves in there, boasters, inventors of evil things, that simply means that they're coming up with evil things as fast as they can come up with them. This is the society we live in. Adventures of evil things, disobedient to (laughs) parents. Man, when we don't care for the knowledge of God without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. See, this is why this one's key. This is why it's key that you add to virtue, your purpose in life. Knowledge, Because, see, when you don't add the knowledge of God and you care nothing to know who God is, it's not like this is a I walk the middle of the road type thing. There's the not desiring the knowledge of God, and there's a the desiring the knowledge of God. There's no one the middle, And see, what you pick shapes your whole path of your life. You say, you know what, I don't really care to know God. I don't care to read my Bible. I don't care to pay attention when someone is opening the word of God. Then you know what it's your choice to say you know what i don't care about the knowledge of god and it's going to shape the path of your whole entire life <laughs> or you can say you know what i desire to know god you know what i'm not even i'm not even talking about sinless perfection here i'm not saying for the, next, for the rest of your life you never miss a time to open your word word of god i'm not saying you never miss another church service but i'm saying you if you're a believer if you're a believer. And you cannot talk to God, and you have no relation with God. All you have is religion. And I say this nicely, and I don't even want to be taken wrong. But if you don't desire to know God, and you don't desire to pursue him, you really get no benefit as if you had stayed home. Because, see, God desires to move you in a certain direction. So as Peter brings this list, he says this. God has given you everything you need. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Right there in our Bibles. So we add to our virtue, to our faith, our belief in Jesus Christ, virtue. We all understand our purpose, Lord willing. Now we have to understand the knowledge. I have to get to know God on a personal level. And the next way we're going to add to it, temperance, our self-control controlling the flesh that God's given us. Let's pray. And we're done. Dearly, Father, God, we thank you so much for the time we had tonight. Lord, I know that we lost some time because of uh, things out front. But, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity it was to pray together. God, I pray that you would please help us to move in this direction, Lord, as it comes to the knowledge of you. Lord, I pray that we would not, Lord, take everybody else's word for who you are. Lord, I pray that you'd make yourself real in our own lives. Lord, that grace and peace that comes through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would please work in our hearts in this way. God, would, you burn, would your Holy Spirit, Lord, remind me, Lord, of the times that, Lord, I walk away. And, Lord, I have not spent time with you. Lord, we do the same thing to every young person in here. God, would you help us, Lord, to cast on every imagination and thought that exalted itself above the knowledge of God. And help us to pursue you. We love you. Thank you for all that you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.